No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring. Welcome back. I'm Katherine Marsh. And I'm Alyssa Hotmeyer. And this is No Gray Zone Podcast. This week's episode centers on child pornography and sexting. As prosecutors, one of the things we hear a lot is, I don't understand what the big deal about child pornography is. It's just someone in the privacy of their own home. They're not actually hurting anyone. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, we hear that all the time. We hear that sometimes even from the judges that we're in front of. And our response is always the same. Child pornography is most often the video or picture evidence of child sexual abuse. And every time an image or video is shared, the exploitation of that child continues. So yes, it is actually hurting someone. And you know, the other excuse we hear a lot is, well, these images are really self-manufactured and therefore no one's going to get hurt. Yeah. And while that is true, there are two main forms of child pornography. So the first one is being produced and traded by the actual abuser of the child. And the child pornography is self-produced by the minor is the other one that we've talked about. And and what that really is, is sexting. Uh, The sharing of images is still exploitation. And for sexting, a continued violation of privacy when that image is shared beyond the initial person who is intended to receive it. Yeah. And I, I think it's also important to keep in mind that sexting itself can come in two forms. One are images that, as Melissa said, are voluntarily shared between the parties, often when two people are dating. And the other form is what we call sextortion. And this is basically where the young person is being blackmailed into sending child pornography via text or social media. And so no matter which version of child pornography it is, it's child abuse, voluntary sexting or sextortion. All of these images are considered child pornography. And oftentimes these images, no matter the original intent, end up on the web being traded on child pornography websites. So how big an issue is child pornography? So in 2018, tech companies reported over 45 million images of child sexual abuse material, more than double what was reported in 2017. And what we know is that the 2017 figure that was reported was more than 5,000 percent increase from just 10 years ago. So it's a huge issue and one that can continues to grow and the pandemic only makes it larger. Exactly. Just during this pandemic, the child pornography reports our Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force received has more than doubled for the same time period as last year. Yeah. And so when you break down the child pornography numbers for individuals who collect and trail trade child pornography, which you know, as a mom, I find so disturbing, uh, breaks down like this. So 19% of identified child pornographer offenders surveyed had images of children younger than three years old. 39% had uh, images of 
kids younger than six years old, and 83%, which obviously makes up the large portion of them, had images of children 12, younger than 12 years old. Yeah, this 83% of images involving minors under the age of 12 falls in line with the same age bracket that we see with sextortion and even human trafficking, that that target age range is most often children between the ages of 11 and 14. And I know that's a really astonishing number, that age. And so we're going to talk about human trafficking in the next couple of episodes. So for now, we want to emphasize what we can do to help our young kids um, with sexting and sextortion. So just like everything, it starts with talking about it. Just like with body autonomy and consent, it's important to begin having the conversations at a young age in order to just create an open dialogue where kids feel comfortable reporting online abuse or harassment. Absolutely. If your child has access to a smartphone, tablet, or computer, which they can probably use better than you can, you need to start having this conversation. Having these early conversations, it doesn't take the place of parental blocks or limited access to websites for young people, but it's so important to start these conversations at an age that is appropriate and talking to them in an appropriate level about what is good and bad on social media and the internet. So for example, with my girls, I let them know that there are certain things they should and should not see on YouTubes or the other websites I let them um, watch. And I tell them that they need to tell me if they see something they're not supposed to be watching. So they know if something pops up that doesn't fit into what they're allowed to watch, they immediately call for me or my husband. And, and what I want my girls to know is that they can feel comfortable to tell us right away and that it's not going to get them in trouble. Exactly. And for my boys, I talk to them about not talking to or gaming with people online that they don't know in real life. And they do know I'm going to check on their gaming profile and their friends list because I know one of the most common way predators begin grooming young boys is through online gaming. But we don't want you guys to panic. You're not on your own with these conversations. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has NetSmarts. It's an entire online education program, and it's for parents and kids of all ages and tells you how to stay safe online. They have videos. They have games kids can play. Just Nick Mick makes this difficult topic much easier. And you can access NetSmarts at missingkids.org. And we'll have that link in our notes as well. Yeah. And these conversations and these tools are even more important now that so many of our young kids are in virtual school and spending all day online while we're also working at home. And so there's really, you know, there may not be a lot of oversight. So it's especially important to talk to your middle schoolers and your high school kids about the realistic dangers of being online and the real truth that even if these images they send, they think are being sent to someone privately and somebody who cares about them, they may often end up on commercial child pornography websites. And, you know, Catherine and I have talked to many victims um, who've experienced this. And, and we get it. We know that talking to kids as young as 10 or 11 about this it is a tough conversation. But we need to keep in mind that this is the target age range for predators. One of the most heartbreaking sextortion cases I ever had involved an 11-year-old child. The predator in this case had friended her via social media and they began chatting. She thought it was a younger boy. And once he began talking to her about sex, she did exactly what we want all kids to do. She blocked him. But he was smart and he was able to reach out to her via another page. And he said he'd show up at her house if she didn't send a picture. 
And because he'd already tracked her down, she, she believed him and she sent a picture. And once that first picture was sent, he then blackmailed her, threatening to send that image to her mom. And she was afraid of what would happen if her mom found out. So the extortion continued. And this 11-year-old child felt she had no choice but to send image after image of different sexual acts that the predator demanded. In a five-day period, more than 2,000 messages, many with child pornography images, were exchanged. Now, this predator was caught, and he is serving time. But unfortunately, we still come across some of these images in other child pornography cases that we work. Yeah. Unfortunately, we see these types of cases so often. And it's not just extortion cases where images end up being commercially traded. You know, we had a case recently where a young man had created a website to um, uh, upload and trade sexting images that individuals had received from girlfriends. Um, and they, these are images that were being sent privately to dating couples. Um, and he would pay different sums of money depending on the photograph. Um, and they had, you know, different high schools were involved, different middle schools were involved, and they were being traded. The images were being traded for money. They were voting on them. It was a really, really disturbing case. And by the time that the website was discovered, there were hundreds of images of child pornography, of images of young girls, most of whom did not know their images were up there, most of whom um, had not consented to their images being traded. Um, and, you know, the trading didn't stop because that one website came down. These images, you know, were sent out into the into the Internet and it's difficult to get them back. And so the last tip we have is to just make sure you're educating yourself. Youth today, they've grown up with technology and they know it better than we do. So ask your children to show you what sites they like, what games they're interested in, what social media from TikTok and YouTube to Snapchat that they might be interested in. Don't assume you know. Yeah, it's really important for us to understand the way that our kids talk because they don't talk the same way we did, just like we didn't talk the same way our parents did. So for example, POS means one thing for us, and I won't say it on our podcast, but for kids, it can mean parent over shoulder. So websites like urbandictionary.com or noslang.com are great tools for making sure you understand what your kids are saying um, in their language. And there's also a number of books and websites that can help from understanding social media sites and privacy issues to tools that you can use on your child's phone or computer. And we'll have links and titles in our notes for those. Well, that's all the time we have. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and follow us on social media, No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram and Twitter and No Gray Zone on Facebook. And tune in next week when we discuss human trafficking. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the right response when it comes to sexual harassment. I'm just good at caring too much.